We turn to Panto now, and specifically Belgrade Theatre in Coventry and its production of Beauty and the Beast. And beaming in somewhere from very near Little Whittle on the Piddle is none other than Ian Lachlan, the writer and star. Ian, welcome. Thank you very much, James. Lovely to speak to you. It's great to have you back, and uh, it's a really exciting time for, well, Panto in general, but in particular Belgrade, because uh, you're back with vengeance, aren't you, really? Oh, absolutely, and at long last, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we've we had a couple of years off uh, due to uh, COVID and break lockdown and various things like that, so uh, it's really, really good to be back. Uh, and, and it's actually a fresh new uh, Belgrade as well, because they've done a lot of you know, sort of work to the theatre inside while we've been away. You know, it's all, all the backstage has all been painted up and everything looks, all looks lovely. And we've got a brand new cafe, which looks amazing. So they've been doing a lot of work. It's lovely to be back at the Bel I mean, I love the Belgrade Theatre anyway. It's a lovely theatre. Uh, so it's just great to be back. And you haven't been resting on your laurels at all. And uh, I wanted to start with uh, an indelicate question, if I could, because uh, you shouldn't ask a lady her age, but um, I want to talk a little bit about um, Dame Dolly Mixture, who uh -huh. I know you have a, a personal relationship with, but she's reached 22, I think, this year. Is oh, that right? Again. Again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. She has. So that's she's incredible, like, isn't it? 22 just, years. 20, yes. It's, uh, we're at, at the Belgrade Theatre. Um, I think my first panto was 1989, so 88, 89, something like that. And uh, the, the one that I uh, wrote anyway and directed, I, I had done some shows at the Belgrade before that, but 1989, that was the first one I, I kind of took hold of the panto, really. And uh, I've been doing it, I, apart from one or two, when I was doing tweenies, you know, sort of, uh, well, I had my TV production company. And it was just so full on. I didn't do a couple of the shows at Belgrade. And uh, and when one of the other regimes came in, they decided they wanted to do their own panto. So I went off and did one in, in Inverness for a few years. But but yeah, it's about 22 or 23 years I've been doing the same. <laughs> and in, in that time of um, sort of donning um, Dolly, as it were, what what have you learned from doing that? I mean, I imagine it's it's quite a release, isn't it, as a, as a performer to do something well, like that? It's amazing, you know, James. I didn't actually want to do it. Um, I because my first panto was what was it aladdin aladdin was the first one we did uh, with my writing partner uh trevor trevor allen who was a, a music a, a mu musician he wrote the music and, and did all that and that and uh and i put the show together and uh i i i wanted to play the baddie you know i wanted to play abanaza and we were we had to audition of course and i wasn't i wasn't i was an actor really and i wasn't really used to auditioning other people i was used to being auditioned so it was all so much of a learning curve and we just couldn't really find a dame that we wanted. Uh, and I know to this day, actually, when I'm when I'm auditioning people for dame for other companies that I sometimes work for, it's the hardest thing to do. It really is just to get someone that's absolutely right. Well, I couldn't find one anyway. So it was Bob. Bob. Uh, uh, Bob. Uh, the, he was the director of the theatre at the time, and uh, he he said, "Well, Ian, you're just going to have to do it yourself." I said, "But I was going to play the baddies." No, no, you just you play. I said, "Dame." I've, I was quite young at that time. I said, I'm too young to play Dame. I don't really want to play Dame. So it turned out I ended up playing Dame. <laughs> and the designer at that time, I worked for that year and the next year, the designer of the show, the, the designs were something. And, and she, he put me in uh, high heels and uh, mini skirts and <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff that I, always, I had to wear. And I really didn't feel comfortable, you know. And it was the same the next year. She, 
you put me in all that as well as we're all tottering around in high heels and things and it wasn't until i went to see a panto the following year at sadler's wells went to see jack Tripp, the old uh wonderful wonderful dame he's dead now of course but he was absolutely wonderful and he was a kind of doc martin type dame with the big frock and the and the silly wig and all the rest of it and i just thought that's what I that's what I should be doing. It's not the high heel stuff. And I don't want to do that. But so I the next year I, I went into Doc Martens and just became a kind of man in a frock, really. Uh, and I was much more comfortable about it. And I kind of just tried to build it from there. So yeah, originally I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, what's great, I think, about um, not that I've ever done this, but what's great about the dame and being the dame is you kind of set the scene, don't you? You kind of paint the picture. I suppose you're the sort of a narrator in many ways aren't you for the story yeah she's yeah she's kind of a matriarch of the whole play the whole show and uh <clears throat> the good thing about the dame is that because she's although she is a story character she can in some of the stories you know you could actually lose the dame and, and it wouldn't make much difference to the story there are certain story characters and when I, this is what i tell the actors when i'm when i'm rehearsing them that, that they have to they have to tell the story they're not people who not everybody's a, a joker not everyone's a comic and um and shouldn't be in on the show. Uh, there are story characters that have to tell the story, have to stick to the story, because if they don't, people like Craig Hollingsworth and myself, who are playing the comedy stuff, we can't weave in, in and out the story, you know, because it's 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 too muddy. So the story has to be really clear, really straight, and and, and they have to stick to it. So we we've got the freedom to for that anarchy, I suppose. Now, let's talk a little bit about the story, because um, not only do you don the frocks and put on the makeup, but you write um, yes. the production as well, which is uh, incredible. And Beauty and the Beast is, a, I guess, a, a very established traditional story. But I guess the challenge for bringing it to the theatre is, is making it contemporary as well as, you know, putting that story that people recognise, but weaving in those references and, you know, thinking about the things that um, will relate to people's day to day at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, that's a that's a challenge for Panto every year, really, because you want to try and uh, and put some relevant stuff into the Panto just to have a bit of, bit of like uh, Boris and all the rest of it have a little bit of a laugh. But um, yeah, I mean, this Beauty and the Beast is particularly difficult because it's such a it's such a dense story, such a strong story, and of course Disney has has got their own version of it basically. So uh, so everybody knows that version. We, we are not allowed, of course, to have all the, you know, the clock and all that sort of stuff, which Disney invented. The story itself is so strong that it, it's really hard. If you, once you start putting other things in, like the routines and the songs and the the dances and all all the fun stuff that that you want to try and put in as a panto, it starts to get longer and longer and longer and longer because you've got a, a very strong and dense story to fit in and it's got to be there. Otherwise, people will be disappointed. I mean, in commercial panthers, they don't bother about it as much. The story is just about there sometimes and it's all about the personalities and about the routines and all that sort of stuff. And they have a kind of loose story through it. But at the Belgrade, we do try and tell a strong story with strong characters, but still put all the routines, the traditional routines, like the ghost gag and the slosh routine and uh, and any other little comedy routines that we put in as well, just to keep the whole thing pantomime, but still hold on to that that story. That's that's the hard bit, actually. You mentioned Craig Hollingsworth earlier on, and um, he's part of a stellar cast around you, really, in, in the yeah. production. You've got some really strong 
actors around it. He's your silly Billy, isn't he? But so he much is. more. And some of those people are not just regulars in the sense they're always in the production, but you, you've grown up a kind of family of people around the panto, I think, haven't you? Yes, uh, yes, most certainly. Um, I mean, my choreographer, Jenny, she's been doing it for a number of years with me, and she's actually, for her first time, going off after she finishes with me this year to go and uh, direct her own panto for the first time. She's going off to direct um, uh, at Porth Call, which is lovely. And uh, I try to be loyal, you know, I try to keep the same people, you know, like Steve Etherington usually sort of does my tracks and things for me. Unfortunately, my assistant director this, this uh, that I've had for the last few years, nine years or something, Paul couldn't do it because he's so busy with television. He's a television director as well. But he came in because uh, my uh, my transformation this year of, of the beast into the prince at the end is all done <clears throat> digitally and televisually. So he's done that for me. He came in yesterday and 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 put all that together for me, which was fantastic. Uh, so they do have, have. I've got this team which uh, are just lovely. And Craig, of course, Craig. This is Craig's tenth year. It's lovely. It's, we just have that kind of rapport on stage, which, which is absolutely smashing. Sean, who plays the Beast, has done the Beast for me a couple of times in Inverness. He did it for me in Inverness when I was up there. Uh, and I've, I've, he, he's played Abenazza for me before. And he's, oh, he's such a strong actor and singer. He's so, and he's such a lovely man. So he's come back to do the Beast. Peter's come back from... Uh, I had all I had him for the first time in Puss and Boots, uh, and he's he's come back again. And I mean, Sean was just saying the other day that he just loves coming back to Belgrade because he's just, it's just like a family, and it's uh, it's such an enjoyable experience. And and that's what I try to do when I'm casting. I, I try to. I mean, I might not be the best kind of director in the world, but I think I'm quite good at casting people who get on with each other and um, and who can. And when you also do the job, really. So very, very rarely that I have someone in the cast that people don't get on with. Uh, and we, we usually have such a nice time, a lovely time at Christmas. Is that not, I think that's important at Christmas. <laughs> I think it's a key ingredient, isn't it, that everybody <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, gets on and goodwill and all that kind of thing. When you're doing two shows a day, you know, and you're together so for so much, so much time, I think it's important. You touched there on uh, the kind of digital transformation um, in this year's production of sort of... Uh, beast to prince and um last year the the panto was very different and you modeled it very differently because everything was remotely and you you took quite a different approach to it and i think you did a really brave thing for panto which was you injected some honesty in terms of what was going on behind the scenes there was a really poignant bit i think where you and craig were on stage kind of talking to the theater almost like the theater was a an actor in itself yeah that's right it, it was uh it was actually paul my, my assistant director who i was talking about a minute ago who did the television thing it was his idea and he says look why don't we open i was going to just open it as a panto but he he suggested that we open it in the theater just to give up people an idea of of how much we we miss them and mr you know and and because you know, like there's myself and craig and the empty auditorium there together all feeling as if you know it was just it was it was the worst of times really because the audience weren't there and it's exactly how it was i mean although we i mean i have my tv studio here uh, which i set up i do my own tv channel a uh, children's tv channel called cheeky chimps and uh, i have a tv studio here so we decided to come to the tv studio uh, i could sort of convince the belgrade to do a digital version rather than no panto at all last year we found the money and and we came to the studio and i, I wrote it specifically for television not for theater i wanted to 
try that to make sure, see if it would work. Actually take the, the, the panto, but, but shoot it and write it specifically as a television audience. But, you know, it, although we had such a fantastic time doing it, it was just such a laugh. And it, I, I feel it, it worked really well. And every, everybody loved it, watching it. And it, as I say, I went to about 25 different countries you know, and we still missed the audience. <laughs> you know, that was the big thing that we're still missing, the audience. And, and uh, we had to jump through hoops to try and make a lot of the things work because we just didn't have the audience. Because, you know, James, I, 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 on the first day of rehearsals every year, I tell the, 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 the cast, you will not have the full cast until the first night because the audience are part of the cast. They're part of the, part of the show. You know, they, they are the last link, the last piece of the jigsaw, and you won't have that until the first night. They're so important. And we discovered that when we were doing the digital puzzle. Although we felt we made the best of it, it wasn't the same without the audience. There was a yearning. I sensed a yearning for a bucket of custard or, or some kind of gunge <laughs> to be thrown over a school teacher. You know, I could sense that. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what, that's what you, you know, need to build into it, isn't it? I, <laughs> I mean, we, we introduced bringing someone up from the audience many years ago. Uh, <laughs> and a, um, a mix of delight and horror, I think, in oh, people's absolutely. faces when they see that bit. For the men in the audience, they can't, they can't, they can't relax until they know who's going to be picked. We can't do it this year, of course. We were not allowed to bring anyone up this year still because of COVID, and I'm not allowed to bring any children up for the song sheet as uh, either. So, uh, which is a bit of a shame, really. But, but we've we've got round that. We've got round it. So uh, it'll still be you know full panther with every, every, everything that, that people are expecting. I'm imagining that Gunge goes a good distance. You know, let's just just say that for the uh, for the audience. <laughs> it does. I mean, um, the, the the band have the band have been covered in up at certain points. <laughs> They're not very happy about it at all. <laughs> um, let's just remind folks listening: Beauty and the Beast uh, is on at the Belgrade Theatre in Coventry from the 24th of November up until the 8th of January, and you can find all the information and importantly how to get tickets at www.belgrade.co.uk. And Ian, just before I let you go back to uh, practicing um, fooling around, there's so much more to it than that, I know. Um, just tell me about, I'm really keen to know about one of the costumes you appear in on uh, your kind of YouTube video that's on the, the website, oh, yes. the Lion Bar it's costume. My lion bar. It's extraordinary. Try and describe that for us. Yeah, it's amazing. Actually, James, all of the costumes this year, all my costumes are amazing because I asked the designer. I mean, designer and I got together, and we said we'd like, to, I'd like to to base them all because I run the sweet shop in mid middle on the piddle. I like all of my costumes to be based on sweets, <laughs> uh, and so Mark and I came up with these with these designs. And uh, and the lion bar is I'm basically dressed as a lion with a big lion head on my head, and then uh, I've got the lion bar logo on and all all sorts of things. And it's just it's absolutely amazing it just i mean but you know when you think of some of the other costumes i mean i've got a licorice all sort one and i've got a, a love hearts one i've got a ferrero roshi one i've got lots i mean i've got uh, you know a, a dolly mixture one of course as well and it's the belgrade that's made them it was mandy at the belgrade that made them she's just done an amazing job and they're always offset i think with some very subtle eyeshadow as well which i think helps them <laughs> Helps helps bring bring the piece across, doesn't it? But... <laughs> I'm having real trouble with my eyeshadow this year because they've, they've stopped doing my shade of blue. <laughs> oh, 
calamity calamity trying to get get the grease paint the right color (laughs) yes absolutely it's very important that they all do the makeup (laughs) well listen ian it's been great to catch up with you again um wish all the best of luck to the cast and crew uh everyone break a leg for this year and we uh, look forward greatly to beauty and the beast at the belgrade in coventry thanks Thanks, so much thanks for taking time to talk no problem